here. Um, let me start off today by reading uh, uh, kind of our, our main passage, our landing point passage for today. It's in Matthew 26, verse 20 through 26. It says this, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to the man who has betrayed the Son of Man. It would be better for him, to, better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one, who had be, uh, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when they have given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, take and eat, this is my body. Well, as Justin said, my name is Joe. I'm the next-gen pastor. So I'm only mainly focused on the middle school, high school, and even the college groups and kind of help out with the kids once in a while. Uh, but if you didn't notice, Justin is on his kind of weekend for hunting. Now, here's the thing about uh, hunting. Like, I didn't even understand opening season until about two years ago. Like, I didn't know that was a legit thing. Now, some of you are like, heresy! Um, I just did not understand. I, like, Justin was raised in that world. Like, he has a family cabin up north that all their families kind of, like, share. They, they do a hunting. Like, this is his big, big weekend. That You know how if you've been around the church for a while, he gets up on stage and he talks about hunting almost every week. Like, it's almost a little bit annoying, especially if you are not a hunter. But he was raised that way. He was, his family taught him. He would, I don't even know, I would have to ask him, but how young was like his first deer? Like, he loves it. They, they, that's where they get majority of their meat. They don't even eat beef that much. This is an interesting thing about the Powells. Like, they love their venison. He is a hunter through and through, and even with Kathy and even his uh, uh, family members, I think his boy got his first deer this year. Like, they are bow hunters, gun hunters, all that stuff, and they were raised that way. Now, I just don't get it. I don't get it, and I'm assuming since it's opening weekend, there's maybe people in this audience that don't get it either. Like, I don't understand hunting. Now, uh, I don't care if you hunt. I'm not, like, with PETA. I'm not any like that. Like, save the deer. Like, uh, you know, I, I am not like that. But I just don't understand the idea of going out, buying a whole bunch of materials, um, like all the gear, and I, I don't even know how much... Uh, hunting gear costs, but I, I know it's not cheap. Um, spending a bunch of money, getting tree stands, the latest gear, uh, understanding, practicing, like, I, I, I don't get that, putting deer urine on yourself, like, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, sitting still for hours in hope that the perfect deer, the one that you can actually shoot, or the one that you actually want their head on your wall, walks by at the perfect time, because you can't shoot it just during the day, like, it has to be in the morning or at the night, and you have to be in the right location at the right time and then you pull the trigger and then the deer and then you shoot it and then you have to track it because it's not like they just drop dead all the time right when you shoot it and then you have to follow it and then hope you find it right and then you're in the stuck in the middle of the woods and you have to drag the deer out you hang the deer up because you don't do this at home and then you I mean you take the insides out 
uh, right there in the field, and then you have to haul it home. And then a lot of times people go up north like Justin, then you have to haul it all the way back home. I'm getting into a lot of details here. Then you have to pay for a processor. Like either you butcher it yourself or you pay someone to do, and they wrap it all in the individual packages, and then you have to have a freezer big enough to hold a giant deer in, right? Like sounds like a lot of work to me. (laughs) Uh, My idea of hunting is going, I want a steak. So I get in my car. I drive to Kroger. I hunt through the aisles. I have to, man, I have to fight off everybody, right? Uh, and, I, and I hunt through the steaks, and I go, ooh, this one looks good. And then I swipe my credit card and go home. Like, that's my idea of hunting. I, I just don't get it. I, I just don't understand the concept. Like I said, nothing wrong with it. There's totally fine. It's the only time you ever hear someone kind of say they don't get hunting on stage. Um, I just don't get it. I mean, there's been other things in my life where I just don't get. I remember growing up in middle school and high school, and this would maybe make me kind of like a loser, but I didn't get like sports, like like NFL in college. Uh, a lot of my friends in middle school and high school, I hung out with like the jocks, as you would say. Um, but I didn't get sports. I had friends that literally would tell me all the statistics of each player on a game. I'm like, what do you do? Just sit around and watch ESPN all day? And they're like, yep. Like, literally, that's all they did. And I'm like, so I tried to do it. I tried to watch ESPN. I tried to learn stats. I tried to watch as many baseball, football. I don't know, all those games, whatever they were into. Uh, I just didn't get it. Like, it didn't click for me. It didn't make sense. Now, there's things in my life, if I get up here and I talk about them, uh, you would look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, for example, I, I have a weird obsession, uh, and my, my wife's starting to understand this a little bit more, but I love, like, roller coasters, theme parks, amusement parks. I'm kind of like that junkie. Um, it, since I was in sixth grade, I've been obsessed with theme parks and amusement parks and, and roller coasters. Like, you can name a roller coaster to me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that one. I would probably rattle off some statistics about it, how fast it goes and stuff. It's just like this weird thing, and and people are like, you study that? I'm like, yep, Uh, just because I I find it very interesting. Like, that's one of my things. And then also, uh, this is one of the things that uh, I've been trying to get my my wife into, but I like fake wrestling, WWE. Um, A lot of people look at me like, you're a pastor. You can't like that. I do, sorry. Um, But I I used to be into it a lot more, and and I have like all the t-shirts. In fact, I brought this. And just to kind of say I'm not, I got a fake belt that I got. Uh, I like, and my wife's like, why do you have this? I wore this on our wedding day. And she's like, you're not wearing that down the aisle. I was like, watch me. She won though. Um, but, like, I have a whole bunch of T-shirts. I have all these things. And then I try to, like, come on, Leah, like, you need to watch this match because it's The Rock for Stone Cold. Like, it was in 1998. It was sweet. Like, you have to watch how he kicks out of this finisher and all that stuff. And she's like, Joe, we are not watching that. Like, absolutely not. I can't get her to attend event because she thinks it's just plain ridiculous. She just doesn't understand. She rolls her eyes and thinks I'm stupid. Like, it's just... She, she doesn't get it. Like, it's, it's my thing, and that's okay. I, I want her to understand it so we can enjoy it together, right? Um, now, I'm sure some of the things I've mentioned you can relate to or you can't, or you're like, yeah, I, I just don't get it. But there, there are tons of things in our life when, when we look at other people and when we hear something, we, we kind of just don't get it. For example, like food. Like, how, how many people in here love sushi? 
like sushi. Okay, how many people despise sushi? Like you could not understand the texture, how someone would love it. Yeah, and you just don't get it. Like I, I love sushi. I don't understand how people that don't and vice versa. Like we can go around. There's certain people, there's certain actors or people. Uh, there's TV shows, there's movies, genres of music where like if people told me that, I'm like, I, I, I just don't get that. Then there's hobbies and entertainment. And then there's school, like math, like, or a school subject where you're just like, yeah, it's just not clicking for me. Like accounting, when I was in accounting, it was like the worst year of my life. Um, or careers, like I would never understand someone that would want to work in a funeral home. If you work in one, I'm sure you make great money, but I don't want to be around dead people. I've seen the sixth sense. Like, you know, I don't, I just don't want to be around that. I'm sure it's great. It's needed, but I just don't get like working in a, a funeral home. And then there's things in our, our, our faith that sometimes I just don't get, you know? And, and sometimes I'm still figuring it out. Uh, it's not that I, I don't fully understand it. It's just sometimes I have uh, trouble wrapping my mind around it, you know? There, there are things uh, like the book of Revelation. You know, I've studied it. I paid money to take a class on it for 16 weeks, and it just confused me even more when I started to understand that, wait, there's people that read it differently, and there's different interpretations, and, and the way that it's supposed to be read, and, and it's just kind of confusing, and, I, and then you look at that, and you're like, okay, I, I, I don't understand some of these parts, the, the visions and the, the theories and, and the, the interpretations, because everyone has a, a different interpretation. Sometimes I don't fully understand the end of times, Noah's Ark, how the sun stood still. I believe in all those things. I believe it as truth. But sometimes it's just hard for me to wrap my head around that. Or the Trinity, I've studied it, I get the concept, I can even teach on it, but it's still hard for me to just kind of wrap my mind around it. Or I have friends, I had a friend in college that uh, he was older than me at the time, and he dropped his career making over 100000 as a, a, I think it was like a, he worked for an oil company, like the largest oil company, as an engineer, dropped his job so he could go into ministry. And you're like, What? Why would you do that? <laughs> like, it was just mind-boggling to me. And, and, and now he's over in a country that I can't even name because it could get him in trouble. Sharing the gospel, and you're like, I, I don't get that. I, I, I don't understand that. And then some of you out here are like, I don't understand how someone would want to be a pastor. <laughs> like, I don't know why someone would want to go through that. There's things in our faith as we walk with Jesus that we don't understand. Now, get this right, like, we're allowed that grace. We're allowed that grace to not have it all together. I believe it, it, it's totally okay. As long as we're pursuing Jesus, we're pursuing truth, we're seeking it out, and we're studying it, like, that's, that's good. That's healthy. That's, that's great tension. We, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to know exactly how the world is going to end or anything like that. But we should pursue it. We should keep going, like we should be pursuing Jesus in the midst of that. But then there's things, there's things in our faith that when we don't get it, we won't get anything. There are things that if we don't get the one thing, we won't get anything. That there's things that everything in our faith hinges on. 
If we don't understand who Jesus declared he was and who he is, we don't get anything. When we don't get what Jesus calls for us in our life, we won't get anything. When we don't understand or don't get the idea that it's only through Jesus that our sins can be forgiven and it's by grace and grace alone, we won't get anything. And that's kind of where we're going today. There are things when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to Jesus, that if we don't get it, you won't get anything. You won't get to experience God and God to the full. You won't get to experience salvation if we don't get the one thing. Now, the American church is great at one thing. And I'm not bashing the church. I'm not bashing our church. uh, But we are great at the sinner's prayer. We are great at saying, accepting Jesus in our heart. And I would be a liar if I said I didn't do that because, or if we haven't done that in the church, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Let me, let me first declare this. that Now, I believe there's nothing wrong with that. I don't believe that it's wrong. But what I do believe is that sometimes we don't fully explain what Jesus was really calling people to. And sometimes... As we lead people through the sinner prayer, as we lead, we, we kind of leave out some major details of what Jesus was declaring who he was and declaring what he was calling us to. Now, please, I, I believe in grace and grace alone, but I also believe this. It's much more than a prayer, but at the same time, it can be as simple as a prayer, to everything that Jesus was calling us to. When I, when I look at the disciples, when I look at the, the 12 men that followed Jesus around, my big question is this. When did they get it? When did they understand? When did they do, as we would say, the sinner's prayer? When did they accept Jesus into their heart, as the modern church would say today? When did they get it? Because they never did say the sinner's prayer. Was it when Jesus called them? Was it in the middle of the three-year ministry as they were walking with Jesus? Was it at the Last Supper when he broke the bread and, and finally things clicked? Was it on the cross when they saw Jesus bloody hanging there? Was it when he died? Was it when he rose from the dead? Was it when he ascended into heaven? Did all of them at 12 all at once get it in one moment or... Did they get different times and different revelations? Did it happen earlier than what I was thinking? Was it later than what I was thinking? These are the questions that will keep you up at night. When did the disciples get it? There's one passage that, that comes to mind. It's in uh, Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. It's uh, taking place at a play, in, in a place called Caesarea Philippi. And it's in verse 13. I'm going to read the whole passage, and then we'll, we'll dig into it a little bit. It says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, uh, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus kind of goes like this, But what about you? Who do you say I am? 
Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Now, this passage in Caesarea Philippi, uh, it's all about where it was taking place. Because uh, we got a picture up on the screen. This is actually around the location that Jesus is kind of talking. And, and this is at the Mount of Hermon. Now, the Mount of Hermon has a very contextual-like place. When you were there, you saw that place as Mount Hermon was where Baal lived. He was at the top. And if you read the Old Testament, you would understand Baal was a God that turned Israel away from the Lord constantly. Like people would go and worship Baal. And so they're sitting at this mount and specifically at this kind of cave opening. And in the Caesarea Philippi, there was tons of temples going on. There was temples to pagan gods. There was even temples to unknown gods just in case they forgot a god. Like this place was kind of crazy. The, the Romans called it the rock of the gods because they believed that this specific opening at one time had water flowing out of it, but it's believed that an earthquake kind of shut that, that spring, and so no more water flows out of it. But they believed that that stream, that cave, led to the underworld, and that's where the gods were. And so Jesus is with his 12 disciples, these temples, these gods, all the distractions are all around them. And he goes, who do people say the Son of Man is? And then he goes, who do you say I am? And they're sitting in this place that is known to worship other gods. In fact, is known to have the tunnel to the underworld where all these gods live. And he's kind of going, where do you, where do you say people live? Now, he says something interesting because Peter steps up. He goes, you're the Messiah. You're the one. And, and, and as he's sitting there, Jesus goes, on this rock, I will build my church. The rock of the gods. This place that everyone knows as the, the, the tunnel into the underworld. This is the place I'm going to build my church. And then he declares, he is the Messiah. He was the one. He declares it plainly to his disciples. I'm the one that was sent. I am the Messiah. And so his disciples, all hearing that, they knew who Jesus was. He wasn't beating around the bush. He wasn't trying to hide anything. He, blame, he plainly says it. Now I'm going to go fast through some of these verses, but these are some other verses on Jesus declaring who he was. John 10, 30, it says, Jesus state, I am, I and my father are one. And if you know the context of John 10, the Pharisees picked up the stone, but Jesus got away because they were going to stone him for what he just said, declaring that he was God. John 14, 6, it says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me, declaring that he has this power. 
John 14.10, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? John 8.58, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am using that original I am statement from Exodus with Moses. I am Yahweh, declaring himself who he was. John 5.18 says, This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So all these plain statements, and and there's more. These were just some of the ones that came to mind. But then you look at Jesus' wisdom and his teaching. You see Jesus' healing, the way he was confirming who he said he was. And then the 12, his disciples, they followed him for three years, hearing the teaching, hearing the wisdom, seeing the healings, hearing these statements. And even more than that, in John 10, Jesus sends them out. He sends out and says this in John 10, 1, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And so he sends out these people in John 10, 17, a little bit further down. And the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submitted to us in your name. Like, they were experiencing the power of the Lord. Like, these disciples were, like, crazy. The 72, the 12 were among them. Like, they went out and they were speaking out demons in the name of Jesus. Yet we get to the Last Supper. The, the very first passage that we read today. Now, interesting fact about the book of Matthew. Um, the book of Matthew was specifically written to the Jewish community. Uh, and it was written to the Jewish population to, to prove Jesus' deity, to account of all these things that Jesus did and hope that they would believe that he was the Messiah. And we see something interesting take place in this passage. You see, they were all around. We know kind of the story. They're, they're, Jesus breaks the bread. He, he pours the wine. He, he tells the group, someone is going to betray him. And, and as the 12 disciples were sitting around Jesus, they go one by one at a time. Just kind of asking Jesus, was it me? I want to do something just kind of interesting. Um, smaller crew. But if I point at you, uh, could you just say the words on, on the screen? Surely you don't mean me, Lord. So are they up there? If I just point at you, we're just going to, can you just say it kind of loud for me? And the 11 disciples, they went around, and they go around, and they say this. After hearing all the declaring, after seeing and witnessing everything, and then it gets to Judas. And Judas says this, surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Judas never got it. 
he never got the one thing that mattered. The only thing that mattered. Yet he was in this inner circle with Jesus. Yet he experienced all the same things the other disciples experienced. Judas did everything right, but yet he was still wrong. Judas did everything right, yet he was still wrong. What does this mean for us? So what? Why does this passage even matter? The question I want to challenge you with is this. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Do you have the only thing that matters right? I know it can be easy, especially if you grow up in the church or in a Christian family, to go through the motions and maybe even seem like you have everything together. But listen, Judas was the guy that went to church every week. He was in the greatest small group of all time. Like, Jesus was his leader. Like, it's crazy to think. Um, Yet he still didn't get it. The question for us is to, to check our hearts sometimes. And it's good to circle back. Because sometimes it's much more than a prayer. It can be as simple as a prayer. But God calls us to much more. Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Meaning not to take this lightly. That if you decide to say the prayer, if you decide to accept Jesus into your life, he is not asking for just part. He's asking for everything. Because yes, you will find life in Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. You will get to spend eternity with him in heaven. But when we choose to follow Jesus, we have to stop following everything else. He calls us to take up our cross, to lay down our life so that we can have a new life in him. You are a new creation. I love baptism because it's the total representation on what's taking place internally. We are dying to ourselves when we get put underwater and we are coming up a new creation in Jesus. We are saying publicly that I'm a follower of Jesus. I've, I've let my past go and I'm pursuing Jesus now. You see, we can do everything right. We can come to church. We can give the right amount. We can serve the right amount, be a part of an awesome small group. But if we don't get who Jesus is and what he called us to, we don't get it. You see, all those church activities or Christian activities, those things don't make the difference. They reflect the difference. They reflect the difference in us. As a church, we want you to come. We want you to get involved. We want you to study the Bible. We want you to pursue Jesus. We want you to get small. We want you to get away. But the most important thing is that we want you to get it, to experience it, and to live it out. Because that's what he calls us to. We want to take the whole word of God and apply it to our lives. Because we honestly believe that that's only when we can experience life and life to the full. And so I challenge you, as we talk today on on Judas, um, 
to examine our own hearts. And then even take a, a step fur further, help other people to examine their own hearts. That's who we want to be as a church. We want to be a church that when you come and you hear the gospel, there is no denying what we're preaching. There is no questioning on who Jesus is. Jesus was God, and he is the only way to experience the fullness of God and experience forgiveness for our sins and spend eternity with him. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We just come before you, and I ask that if there's anyone in this room that needs your love, that you would just surround them right now, Lord, that you would just make it perfectly, declare, or perfectly clear what you are calling them to. Lord, we worship you. We lift up your name. And Lord, um, we just thank you for the Sunday morning that we could just come here and worship you. And Lord, uh, help us um, pursue you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming. Uh, we'll see you next week.